Baruch says to Meshur Abeno that I'm going to speak to Kal Yisrael directly. I'm going to allow them to hear my voice. And the public says, Laman Yishma Ha'am B'dabri Ima. So that the nation can hear as I speak to you. Degam B'chor Ya'aminu Lo'elam. And thereby allow the people to believe in you. Which means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu opened up the eyes and the ears of Kal Yisrael by Mantera and enabled them to all be Nevi'im for that moment in time, that brief window of opportunity, all of Kal Yisrael. 600,000 men and many more women and children were able to be Nevi'im at that moment in time and see divine revelation as HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Meshur Abeno on Arsinai speaking over the Aseris HaDibres. And the reason for that, the Rabbi Shalom says, is so that there should be an amuna in you, so that nobody should ever doubt that there's such a thing as Nebuas Meshur Abeno that there's a concept that the Rabbi Shalom spoke to Meshur Rabbeinu, transmitted the Tariyat Mitzvah to him, the Tariyat Shabbat and the Tariyat All of that is given to Meshur Rabbeinu. Why do we believe that? We believe that not because we are taking a leap of faith and saying, all right, Meshur Rabbeinu, he was a Navi, he claimed to be a Navi, he spoke Tashem. Okay, we'll believe that. No, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that the purpose of Maimon Har Sinai, the purpose of Matan Torah, the purpose of all of that was in order so that the people every year could believe inside with full faith that I know that Maisha Abeno is a Navi and spoke to the because I too heard the Rabbi Yisraelim directly as he spoke to Meshach Rabbeinu, as he spoke to Kal Yisrael. Rabbi Yerucham Mavavitz, the Mir Mashkiach, explained it as follows. This concept that we just set out about Luman, Yishma'am, he explains it as follows. There are many people in the world that struggle with Amunah. They struggle with issues of Amunah's Chachamim, of Maimon Harsinai, of the fact that the Rebbein Yisrael was Niskala himself to Kal Yisrael on Shavuos. They have trouble with these issues. Many people. Many from didn't have trouble with it. Rahman al-Islam, certainly many non and people throughout the world, they are skeptical and they're cynical when it comes to concepts as Nebuah. I don't believe that a man, a mere mortal like myself, spoke to God. Come on, if there is a God, then he's not speaking to us. We're puny, we're so small, we're so insignificant. I don't believe in Nebuah's Vaishrabin, I don't. That's what many people say. Many people come over to me in yeshiva, not many, not many, but yechidim, I have questions, I have problems. 
Nine times out of ten, it's from the internet. They stumble upon certain websites, certain blogs, which look good and sound impressive, and it might be written by rabbis and maybe orthodox rabbis, but it's full of deus kaisvis, kfira and apikursis, and questions, and svekas, and amunus hachamim, questions in Nebuah's Vaishra Abeinu, questions in Maimon Harsinai, all of these things, these poisonous questions that come into our minds. And many people refuse absolutely to believe that there's a concept called Nebuah that Maimon Harsinai took place altogether. And Rabbi Rucham explained it so beautifully. Rabbi Rucham used to use a concept that's really taken the the, the, the the phrase is coined by David HaMelech and Tehillim, but he always used this concept, and in fact, it's used by him so often that a biography that was written about Rabbi Rucham by one of his primary Talmidim, Revolvi, the Alishur, was entitled by this phrase, describing Rabbi Rucham as Rucham used to describe the perfect human being, and that's two words. Odom Biakar. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim that says, Adam Yikar Baltolin Nimshal Kabehema Ismidmu. Adam Yikar Baloi Yavin Nimshal Kabehema Ismidmu. Which means that a person, Yikar, man in his glory, man in the quintessential form that he was intended to be, Baal-Yola and the Pasa continues and speaks in the tragic sense of how man, as great as he is, oftentimes falls short of his aspirations and of his expectations. But this concept of Adam Bihar, this concept of man in his full prime and glory, is something that Rabbi Rucham would constantly speak about. And how a Yid really is designed to be great and to be like almost a superhero, super great, amazingly tall, amazingly profound, amazingly holy. That's what a, a man, a human, mortal man, that's a yid, could be. Other than be a cat. And Rabbi Yerucham says... <coughs> that the reason why people have problems, why people struggle with these issues of Amunah in Nebuah's Meish Rabbeinu and Maimon Sinai, is it really possible that Hashem really come down and speak to millions of people? Come on, I don't believe it. It's not true. You hear people saying that, right? People really believe that it's not true. Well, Hashem, I think everyone in this room believes that it absolutely is true. But there are many people out there that don't believe it. They refuse to believe that that is true. And they come up with all types of contortions and ways to explain it and all the proofs of the Kuzari that Yiddishkeit is the only true religion and that we had Maimon Sinai in front of so many people. And nobody refutes it. The websites take care of the Kuzari also and they completely obliterate all of these tenets of faith. And you know what Rucham says simply to those people, addressing those people, 
that have deis kaisos, that have really warped perceptive perceptions of Yiddishkeit and emuno. You know why you don't believe it? We almost will give you a free pass for not believing it. You don't believe it because you look in the mirror and you see a man who's small. You see a man who's weak. You see a man who's kakapuni and who is unable to attain holiness, to absorb kedusha. You see a man in the mirror who is very much into the culture around him and very much into idolizing things that we don't really hold dear and chasha, but you do. And so if every man is small, and if every man, the more hashchasa that you have, hareza meshubach, and if we're living in a society, if we're living in a society in the world that puts on a pedestal called tzaruah v'chalzah v'chaltamei every single mushkos, whether they're celebrities, whether they're politicians, whether they're rock stars, whether they're movie stars, whether they're models, whether they're playwrights or poets, these are people that we're idolizing, these are people that we're following, these are people that we are interested in reading about and consuming everything that we can about them. And that's what our minds are full of. That's our hasagis. Is it any shock that we can't believe in a concept called Nebuah? If we look at a human being as being the lowest possible being on the face of the earth, if we idolize the people that are the low lives of society, the human debris, and that's who's chashuv, and that's who we look at as being great. So of course you look and you say, I don't believe in Nebuah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not possibly have revealed himself to Adam, to Meshach Abeinu, and to Klai Yisrael. It's not Shaya. That's only because you have no idea of what an Adam Bikar is. You've never seen an Adam Bikar. You have never seen a real human being in your life. There was once an Adam Gadol that says, that said about Darwin, Charles Darwin made one of the biggest acts of fira in world history as he professed to believe and to know that human beings stem from behemoths, from an ape. And most of the scientific world then and today, they're running for Darwinism. Yeah, that's the way to go. And you know what they said? The Godel said, you know what, Darwin... I don't even know if he's a kaifer. Because you can even like understandably understand why you would think that a man comes from an ape because he never saw a man. If you would know what a human being is, if you know what an Adam Biakar really is, it wouldn't be shy of him to say that we come from an ape. Because Adam is great. Adam is holy. Adam radiates Kedusha and Tara. If Darwin would have bumped into a to a Chayim, to a Chazam Seifer, to a Kivager, he never would have espoused such a belief. He just was surrounded by people, low people. If you're coming from low people, that's who your whole context is. 
If your point of reference is the people surrounding you, it's not a shock that you believe that people come from age because what's already a human being? What's a, what's a man? If you don't have the Kedushan, if you don't have the Tarot. Rabbi Baruch Bear came to New York back in the 1920s. He was given by the mayor of New York a key to the city. And the mayor said the following statement when he was presenting the key to the city to Rabbi Baruch Bear, who was known to be one of the greatest Rabbanim in the world. The mayor of New York City said about Rabbi Baruch Bear to his face, he said, Rabbi Leibowitz, you disproved Darwinism. Because looking at your holy countenance, looking at your holy face, it's impossible to believe that a man could come from an ape. It's not shy of. Look at your face. If anyone saw pictures of Rabbi Bear, you see the Kedusha on the tower, you see the pale Kim, Kabayachal, on his face. And that is the problem with us today. The reason why people struggle, says Rabbi with Amuna in Nebuah and in Maimon Sinai is only because we haven't really seen an Adam Bikar. If we would see a divine human being that's capable of Nebuah, then we would believe also. Just we haven't seen it. Or we haven't seen it enough. Or if we were looking at it, we weren't paying attention. And that's where Birochim explains why the Maimon Sinai had, had to be that we all became Nevi'im at that moment in time. <clears throat> once you understand, once you have a little taste of Nevo'ah yourself, now you have a glimpse, you look in the mirror, you see a little bit of Nadam Bikar. Now you could appreciate a Maishra Abeinu and you could say, I believe you, Maishra Abeinu. I know that now a human being can attain such heights of Nebuah, of being able to speak Panim el Panim of the Rabbi Shalom, I see now that it's possible. Without Maimon HaSinai, we would not have necessarily believed in the Nebuah's Maishra Abeinu because it's one man's word. But if we were able to ourselves see how great man could be, although a minute later we shrunk down, and 40 days later we actually went and were chaytet to the Egel, but at least for that glimpse of time, we were able to see that a human being could be great. And now we know that Maish Rabbeinu certainly is able to have a nevuah because we ourselves were able to taste what it's like to be an Adam Yikai. And when you're in the presence from now on of a great person, we could believe in the Rabbi Nishon, we could believe in Amunaz Chachamim because at Maimon Sinai all of our Nishamas were there. All Shishim Rebai of our neshamas, every person in this room was actually at Ma'antaira. And we saw HaKadosh Baruch the Eskalas of our, with our own eyes. And we saw that we ourselves could be an Adam B'yakar. And we were able to now relate to Meshur Abeno as being Mamish the Adam B'yakar. And now we can go forward with Emuna Shlema that there is a Tyrus Meshur and that there is an Amuna and the Nebuah of Meshur Abbein, one of the Yud Gimel Ikri Atayra. <coughs> Nowadays we don't have Nebuah. There's no such thing. We don't have, we don't have such a thing as Nebuah. 
as it used to be, but we still do have Chachamim. And Chazal tell us that a Chacham is Adif Minavi. A Chacham in certain ways, I mean, Chachamim, smart, wise people are greater than the Bia. And so we still do have the ability to have a belief, to cling on to a belief in the Nebuah of Meshach Rabbeinu and Amunah Chachamim through the Chachmeh Adairais, through the Meshach Kibbal Torah, Misina, Misarli, Yeshua. We still have the ability to have an Amuna in the Nebuah of Meshach Rabbeinu, albeit 3,000 some odd years after Maimon Sinai, we can still have an Amuna in the Nebuah of Meshach through, through the Chachmei Adar. A Chacham is Adif Minavi, because a Chacham is Raya Sanoilad. There's a famous Maisel of the Chavitz Chaim. The Chavitz Chaim lived a hundred years ago. Chavitz Chaim didn't live a thousand years ago. The Chavitz Chaim had Chachma. He might have had a little bit of Racha Kaddish or a lot of Racha Kaddish as well. We have many stories about that, but I'll give you one Maisa that's not a Nebuah Maisa, but it's a Chacha Maisa. The Chavitz Chaim was once going on a Shlichas for a mitzvah, and he brought together with him a certain Rav to go with him on the trip. And the Rav and the Chavitz Chaim were sitting in an inn that they were staying at, and the innkeeper who was also like the maitre d', she came over to the table and she said to the Chavitz Chaim, Rebbe, is everything okay? Is the food good? And the Chavitz Chaim says, everything is superb. My compliments to the chef. It's awesome. And then she turns to the rav that was sitting next to the Chavitz Chaim at the table and she says, Rabbi, what about you? Do you also like this food? He says, I must be honest with you. And the Chavitz Chaim started like turning red says the soup was extremely salty. There's too much salt in the soup. And the Chavetz Chaim, there was like smoke, you know, coming out of the Chavetz Chaim's collar, like he was like fuming. And the lady walks away, and the Chavetz Chaim looks at this companion that came with him and says, what did you just do? He says, what do you mean? I just said, she asked me my opinion about the soup. I said it was salt. He says, you don't understand. I spent my whole life Mastering Shmir Salashin, controlling my tongue. I wrote Svarim about it, I preached about it, I taught about it. And I took you on the Shlichos, and look what you just did. You went and you insulted the chef. You think this innkeeper is busy cooking the soup? Who do you think is in the kitchen cooking the soup? It's an old Almana for sure. It's a poor widow who needs the Parnassah to support her children. That's who's in the kitchen cooking this soup. And maybe she did put a little bit too too much salt in the soup. Now the innkeeper is going to go to the back kitchen. And she's going to scream at this Alman and she's going to be over the lav of Laisanon, Yasan Almana, Laisanon, you're not supposed to torment the widow and the orphan. That's one lav that you were just over. And of course, this widow, Nebuch, she's going to defend herself. She's going to say, the soup is not too salty. It was perfect. And then she's going to say, oh, really? The Chavitz Chaim is sitting with that man that said it. I think I'll take their word for it over your word. And then she's going to desperately try to cover up. And she's going to cry. And you're going to make the Isser worse and worse. And she's going to deny. And they're going to fight. 
and the innkeeper is going to fire her. And now she's not going to have a parnasa, and her son are not going to have a parnasa, all because you had to say that the soup was too salty. And this rabbi was sitting opposite the Chavetz Chaim, and he says, Rabbi, listen, I think we're getting a little carried away. All I said was the soup was too salty. I think the innkeeper probably went to the back room and made a phone call, and I don't think she remembers anything about it. It was just a flippant comment that I made. Let's, Daddy, what's, what, how can you say that about what, the, the almana and getting fired? He said, let's go. Let's get up, and we'll see for ourselves. And they walked to the kitchen, and as if they were reading from a script of the Chavetz Chaim himself, as he portrayed what would happen, it mamet happened just like that. The same thing. The, the orphan, the, the widow, was screamed at by the, by the boss, and she said, it's not true, until the Chavetz Chaim, and back and forth, it wasn't too salty, it wasn't too salty, fired. And this rob, you can imagine, Nebuch, you know, he was like, his, his jaw dropped. He could not believe his eyes, and he went and he begged the innkeeper, please, it wasn't too salty, it was fine, um, please, uh, let's turn back the clock three minutes, please. And sure enough, Baruch Hashem, she was able to, uh, she rehired the, the, the widow, and they were able to patch things up. Chacham is Adav Minavi. Sometimes you need to be a Chacham. If you see the, the Chachma of the daily Yisrael, it's more powerful than Nebuah. I'll tell you another Maisa with Ramesha Feinstein, which is very Negea for Ben Azmanim. There was a Bachar who once asked Ramesha before he went home for Ben Azmanim, Rabbi, what should I be mocked on when I go home? What should I do? What should I, should I not do? So Ramesha says to him like this, such a beautiful Yisrael, pay attention. Ramesha says, you're going to go home. And you're going to dab a Minchan Mairev in your local shul. What are you going to do between Minchan Mairev? A lot of shuls have a break between Minchan Mairev, 10, 15 minutes, and the Rav learns Mishnayis. Some Rabbanim learn Ketzer Shachan some learn Mishnayis, some learn, you know, Stam Halachas. What are you going to do during that time? I think I know what most Bnei Taira do. They take a Gemara off the shelf, they take a Baba Basra, they take something else, and they, they sit and they learn while the Rav is giving his Mishnah share. The Yeshiva Bacharim, it's not, it doesn't pass for them to learn simple Mishnah. They're already graduated from Mishnah, they're already learning Gemara. You're going to sit in your corner with your Gemara, and you are going to learn something completely different. And let me tell you what's going to happen when you do that. First of all, the Rav is going to be ice mensch. The Rav is going to be extremely humiliated and upset and embarrassed because he's going to think, oh wow, these Yeshiva Bacharim, they go home, you know, I raised this kid, he grew up in my shul, I taught him his bar mitzvah parasha, I taught him how to daven, I taught him everything from Alephes, and now he grew up, he became a big machar, he became a big gavra, and now it doesn't pass for him to learn anything from him. I have nothing to offer him. I'm just a simple congregational rabbi. I'm teaching Mishnah to Balbatim. He's not holding there. He has to learn his Gemara from his Rabbeim and his Shiurim and all his fancy Tyra. It doesn't pass for him to sit by my Mishnah share. And that's a very, very insulting thing that you've just done to the Rav. That's number one. That's first thing that you're going to do. This is Ramesha speaking. Just 
pulling this out of the air. He understood this is the Matthias. I don't know if he saw this firsthand, but he was able to foresee what would happen. Not only that, says Ramesha, but the Balabatim in the shul are sitting and every night they come to the Mishnah Shir. This is perhaps the only time that they learn the whole day between Mincha and Nair, those 10-15 minutes. And they look up to their Rav as being the Galadar, which he should be. And all of a sudden they see this Yeshiva Bachar, he's sitting on the side learning Gemara. What does that say to them? It says to them that the Rav, probably not a Tamachacham, the Shir that's given, not on an intellectual par with what's learned in Yeshivas, maybe it shows that you disapprove of the scholarship of the Rav, and that it's a waste of your precious time to learn Mishnah. So a lot of them will either no longer respect the Rav, or more often than not, they will stop coming to the Mishnah Shir. They'll stop learning Mishnahis because it doesn't pass. It's, it's a joke of a Shir. And so look at what you've done when you take out that Gemara, and of course you do it with the best intentions. But look at what you've done. Look at the, look at the collateral damage. Look at how you've insulted the Rav, made the Balabakim turned off from the Rav, and also probably make them go out and schmooze outside instead of staying in because they see that you don't hold, that it's a chash of a shir. And so Ramesha says, you want to hear from me what you should do Ben Azmanim? I'm not going to tell you not to do this and to do that. I'm going to tell you one simple thing. When the Rav is giving a shir, you sit in the front row with the at the edge of your seat, you get a mission in your hand, and you give all of your attention to the Rav undividedly. That's what you're supposed to be doing Ben Azmanim. Isn't that Chacham Adif Minabi? A Chacham, if you see a Ramesha Feinstein, you see a Chabitz Chaim, who have such a perception of the way a human being should act, and of human nature, that's Adif Minabi. That gives us the Amuna and Moshe Abeno. Vayiram as Hashem, Vayaminu Bashem and Moshe Abdai. The reason why we have Amuna Chachamim is because. We're able to always have this Messiah, Midar Ladar, from Moshe Kibaltara Misinai, but not just there, and it goes to Yeshua to the Canaan, and every subsequent Dar Anayim. If we have a Munas Chachamim, then we and our Shavuos is altogether different. Shavuos is not a time that we take Svarim off the shelves and we learn them. Shavuos is a time that we reenact Mount Taira, that we're able ourselves to appreciate what an Adam Biakar is. And that leads us to conclude that there has to be a Taira, and that Taira is Misinai, and that Taira is Maisha is Emes, because on Shvuas our Nishamas are able to once again come to the realization, to notice and take note of the fact that we still have Chachme Yisrael, for Adif Minavi, and that there's an Adam Biyakar, and if there's an Adam Biyakar, I believe in Nebuos Maisha Aminu. I might not be holding there, but I seek Yedayla Yisrael, and Yedayla Yisrael give me the peace of mind to believe that there was always a Messiah, Midar Ladar, in the Vuas Meishra Aveinu, Vahalah. That is what Shavuos is. Shavuos is not just a time to learn Taira, it's a time to recharge our Amunas Chachamim, and to really, really believe the Gambachay Aminu Lailam to believe in Nebuah Smeishra Aveinu because we understand that there's a concept of Adam Bikar. 
week, a lot of us went to the Asifa. And a lot of people came away from the Asifa with, I think, a lot of Isairus. I think that we were completely awed by the sheer spectacle of seeing 60,000, 50, 60,000 Shaimrei Tairo Mitzvahs that came together, Bibris Yachad, in order to heed the call of the daily Israel, whatever the message may or may not have been. And I don't want to discuss that. I discussed it privately with many people. Whether the message was a, a sharp message, whether we're able to take something practical from that Asifa or not, it's a whole other discussion. But one thing that we could take from the Asifo at the end of that evening was that you see that Kalal Yisrael still has the ability to have a Munas Chachamim. Chachme Yisrael told us to come to a stadium in Queens because they had a message to share. And originally on the websites, on the blogs, they were expecting a disaster. And like we spoke about on Lagweimer, I think many were hoping for a disaster. Many out there in the world, in the blogosphere, were praying that it should rain, praying that nobody should be interested in going, and maybe I'll have a poultry, a couple of thousand, rock solid, die hard, yidden that pump, but the stadium it will be empty. And they would rejoice in the fact that Baruch Hashem, it was a flop, that nobody believes in this stuff anymore, we're not following blindly our leaders anymore. But look at what happened instead. 50 to 60,000 people. Do you know what it's like to get like a minion together sometimes? To get, if I would, you know, sometimes, you know, you give a schmooze, you give a, you give a vad, you know, it's really hard, you gotta twist a lot of arms. To have people come, if it's finals, you know, period, it's even harder, study periods, like, you know, to get a shir together, to get a bat together, to get a chabura together, it's challenging. Can you imagine the logistical challenges of getting 60,000 Jews together into two stadiums in Queens? For us, Queens is local. But people in Lakewood, it's a couple of hours drive. People flew in from all over the country, all over the world. Why did they do it? They did it because they wanted to believe in Amunah Sachamim. The Chachmei Yisrael had a message. And look at the dais that was up there. I just spoke to a big time Chachem this morning. He said, I don't think in the history of American Jewry was there ever such a dais convened on these shores. To have all of, not all of the Rosh Yeshivas, all the Hasidic Rebbes, all the Mashkichem, all the Mabitzei Taira assembled there on the dais and behind and around the stadium, all in order to say that we have a Munah in the Chachmei Yisrael. The Chachmei Yisrael told us to come and we came. That's why they came. There's no other reason. They didn't know about the binoculars that would be given out beforehand. They didn't know about the the cake that was given out or the water. They didn't know about those things. They just came in droves and they paid good money. And they traveled and they gave up precious time and spent millions of dollars to Baal behind this event. 
only because the G'dayli Yisrael said to do it. Doesn't that show the godless of Kal Yisrael how 3,300 years after Mount we still are able to be makir that there's an Adam Bikar and that man in his pinnacle is able to commune with the Rabbeinu Shalom and be able to have a hashkafa and a das That's what I got out of the Asifa. More than the discussion about internets and filters, I was able to be nisayra to the fact that our yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, and so many others in the thousands came out in order to heed the call of the daily Yisrael, which shows our Amuna and the Chachma Yisrael, the Messiah of the Teresh of Alpeh, which is what the entire Torah is. What is Teresh of Alpeh? Not for Amunas Chachamim, Amuna and Abayev, and and Hill, and Shammai, and Rabba, and Rabbi Yechanan. That's what it's all about. That's what the Asifa said to me. But you know, a lot of people are still very cynical, and they're still very skeptical, and they're still putting down the Asifa, and they're saying that it was a, it was a flop, and that didn't accomplish anything, and it was a tremendous waste of money. And let me explain a little bit why they could say that. Besides what we said before about that they don't perhaps have a concept of what an Adam Bikar is. There's a Gemara in the Sechus Kalo, which says as follows, Amru Olav al Riptarfin. Riptarfin, we know, was a very, very wealthy man, Shaya Asher Gadol. And he didn't give Matanis Levyayna, I mean, he wasn't giving according on the, on the level of his wealth. He should have been giving more money to Tzedakah, and he wasn't giving enough. Rabbi Akiva found him, and Rabbi Akiva said to Rabbi Rabbi, I have a great business opportunity for you, a great real, I know you like real estate, I can buy you an entire town, or two towns, and I'll get you a really good bargain on it. Are you interested or not? So a good businessman always Smells out a good deal when he sees it. I'm like, hey, I'm interested. I'm down. I'm in. Miyad Amad Riptarfin. Riptarfin got up. He went to the ATM machine and he pulled out about $4 million. And he gave it to Rabbi Akiva. He says, I'm in. Good luck. Not one Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva took this wad of bills, the Chalpan and he dispersed that money to Anim. He didn't put it in real estate, he gave it to Anim. Liyamim, a few days later, Matzah Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarfan, Rabbi Tarfan tracked down Rabbi Akiva. I'd like to see my investment. Can you take a spin out to those cities that you promised to buy for me? He grabbed him by the hand, Rabbi Akiva, took her to the base Medrash. 
Behavi Sefer Tehillim, and he pulled off the shelf of Tehillim, V'inicho B'fneim, and he put it in front of them. V'ayuholchin V'kairin, and they read, Hashigil V'pasuk Zeh, Pizer, Nosan Lev Yainim, Tzidkoslai, Aymedes Lav. Dovan HaMelech writes, when you scatter your money liberally, your righteousness remains eternally. Amr Lay and Rabbi Akiva looks at Rabbi and says to him, These are the cities that I bought you. This is the city that I bought you. This Pasuk and Zelen. This Chos of supporting Tzedakah of Anim. It will remain eternally. These are the edifices. These are the cities. These are the structures. These are the skyscrapers that I bought on your behalf. Omer Reb Tarfin. Reb Tarfin got up, the Nashkai, and he kissed Rabbi Akiva. The Omer lay Rabbi Alufi, Rabbi, my general, Rabbi Bechachma Alufi Vidarach Eretz, you are my Rabbi in wisdom, and you are my general, you are my leader in Darach Eretz. And he gave him even more money to invest for him in this precious commodity called tzedakah. And the Chavitz Chaim explained in a Sefer, Abbas Chesed, that it wasn't Gnei Bastas. This seems to be like a shtick. Rabbi Akiva, I mean, I think if we were a Tarfan, we might be a little bit upset. It's Gnei Bastas. You promised me a city, and you gave me a tax write-off. Isn't that Gnei Bastas? The Chavitz Chaim says it's not. This purchase of a city or two was really a true purchase. Ir Dibarim, says the Chavitz Chaim. It was a city of warriors. You bought for yourself, you acquired when you gave that $4 million in Saka, you bought for yourself armies, populations of Malachim who are going to stand and defend you in Shemayim. You bought for yourself eternal cities in Shemayim. And the Chavitz Chaim says that that is something that is Ahmed Eslad. It was a real purchase. It wasn't a shtick. He wasn't pulling the wool over Tarfin's eyes. He really gave him what he had promised. He bought real cities through this Maisa Tzedakah. That's what the Chavitz Chaim says. But there's one question that remains. Couldn't Rabbi Akiva have just told her Tarfin on the spot? This pasuk, you didn't know this pasuk by heart. Pizer Nosan Levyanim said Kosei Medesvad. Even I remembered that pasuk. Why couldn't Rabbi Akiva just tell that pasuk to Rabtarfan when Rabtarfan asked him on the street, "Where are my cities?" Say pasuk and tell him Pizer Nosan Levyanim said Kosei Medesvad. Why do you have to schlep him into a base medrash? The Gemara says Tafsoi biyadei beviul base a medrash. He slapped him by hand. He took him by the hand and pulled him into the base matters and pulled out a tail of him and read with him till him and then showed him the pasuk. Couldn't he save a little time by just telling him the pasuk standing on Main Street? Why did he need to schlep him into the base matters? Good question, right? There was a big Rosh Hashiva by the name of Naftali Friedler. He was a very massive Tamil Chacham 
who was a Rosh Hashiva in Yeshiva in Mansi, and he was a Yekisha Rosh Hashiva. He was a Rosh Hashiva who, from, you know, his son went to Yeshiva with one of his sons. And he was Nifter maybe 10, 15 years ago. People that live in Muncie probably know him or know of him. He says such a beautiful shot, which I want to share with you today. If Rabbi Akif would have told this shot to a paraffin on the street, it wouldn't have been the same. You see, there are certain things that you can only really explain to somebody and that that person could be receptive to that point in a base medrash. If Rabbi Akiva would have told this prospector of Tarfan on the street, in the marketplace, with people humming and buzzing all around, and there's busy businessmen with their attaché cases and their blackberries and their cell phones making deals, I think Rabbi Tarfan might have been pretty upset. How could you do this to me, Rabbi Akiva? What am I, a baby? You couldn't just tell me that it's for tzedakah. I would have given you tzedakah. Why'd you have to tell it to me in such a way? And now you're pulling him out of a hat. Like, what's going on over here? And Rabbi Akiva understood that. That when you're on the street, when you're outside of the Kaisley-based matters, things don't, they don't sound so good. We're not convinced. We're cynical. And we're skeptical. Because that's human nature. We're affected by the street. We're affected by all of the technology that surrounds us and that screams in our ear that there's no such thing as an autumn vietar. Don't believe it. Don't believe in Amunas Maishra Don't believe in Maimon Arsinai. Don't believe in Amunas Sachamim. Don't believe in what those rabbis are telling you. Those rabbis have an agenda. That's when you're out on the street. Only when a yid is taken by the hand and is brought into the beauty of our base medrash with a svarim, with a tehillim, with a rabbeim, with a rashi yeshiva, with a ruach and the avir of taira. Only then could the ear be properly able to accept the truth of the world. <coughs> Only then could Rabbi Tarfan go and kiss Rabbi Akiva for telling him such an emesnik of shot on the street. It might have been a different reaction. Maybe the opposite reaction. But in a base medrash, everything is different. In a base medrash, a person could come into a base medrash and hear the Ashkafas Achayim, hear the beauty of the Chachme Yisrael, be able to sit and learn a Rashva and a Ritva and a Kitzais and a Misnosi Sharm and Ali Shur and a Mishnabrura and a Kitzishal Fanarach and a Pachad Yitzchak and be moved and be inspired and believe it outside of the Beis Madrash. You can have it. You have to be really, really lucky. You have to have the right rav and the right shul and the right chevra. And that's a tall order in this day and age. It exists, but it's very, very hard to find. The one place in the world that's an Ari Miklot, 
That's the Teva of Nayak against all of that Shasta of the Mabal, of the decadence, and the Kfira, and the Minos, and the Apikursus that is all around us, that pervades this universe, and that even in the base matter of Islam, we find sometimes things that we shouldn't. But the Vesmedrish is the last bastion of a chamber that we can actually hear the Chachmi Yisrael in the best way possible. I like it in a way, and it's not a perfect muscle because it's not really always the nicest thing to say, but I liken it to something called a dog whistle. A dog whistle is something that you blow, and most people are not able to hear because their ear is not able to hone in on that high pitch. But dogs are. Dogs, for whatever reason, have an extra sensitive eardrum, and they're able to hear, and they're going to go barking if you have a, you, 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 you know, you blow into a dog whistle, all of a sudden you'll find dogs barking and going and hearing, and you don't even know why. Because we can't hear it. And that's a little bit of a muscle of what it is in this day and age, and perhaps even 100 and 500 years ago, when there's an ashkafa, and when there's an adracha by amunas chachamim, when the chachamim call us to do something, and we believe, and we listen, and we go to men like the stipler, and Yibadal Chaim, his son of Chaim Kanievsky, and we go to Ramesha Feinstein, and we go to our Rabbi Yaakov Kamenevsky for Aetis and Hadrocha. Why? They didn't have a doctorate, they didn't have a master's, they didn't have a BA. What are we going to them for? Because we understand intuitively that these are chachamim that are adifim inabim. These are our Messiah. And when we see these Gedailim, when Baha'i Necha Rayas Esmarecha, it gives us the peace of mind and the peace of heart to know that the Nebuah of Meshach Adenu is Amitis and that all the Chachmi Yisrael that follow and that believe and that are, and that are living the Tyrus Meshach and breathing it and personifying it we believe it gives us the Amuna it gives us the peace to understand that there's an Adam B'Yakar and Megam B'Chai Aminu L'Aylam We're approaching summertime. And I always say that in yeshiva, we have the misfortune that because of the college system, the way it's set up, we end the, the, the college semester <coughs> around now, around Shavuos time, maybe a, couple, a week or, or so after Shavuos. And then... There is still a shear until June 20th, but it's, it's Pesach and Malachim. This man sort of withers on the vine and people start peeling off and going their separate directions and they're booking tickets home and they have summer jobs and summer school and internships and they're graduating and they're leaving and they're going. And it's a chaval that for two and a half to three months, we leave the Kaisle Vesnadrish. We leave the one place that we can have the Amunas Chachamim, 
that we can go to an Asifa and come away inspired, as I think everybody that went was. I'm not saying that they were all, they had clarity in exactly what the message was, and I spoke to one of the organizers, because I was bothered by that also, and I spoke to the main organizer, and he said that they are painfully aware that the message that came out of the Asifa was not so well honed, but it will be explained by, in the weeks ahead, they will have an explanation and, and further clarity about what the message that was coming out of the Asifa was supposed to have been. It didn't work out that way for whatever reason, but it was supposed to have been. But put that aside. The Asifa was a resounding success in one way. Besides for the Mincha and the Mayim and the Kabbalah and the Sphira together with 50,000 Jews, it showed us that there's a Machina Yisrael that believes that Muna Shalema Shenevuas Meshra Beinu Hayamitis. And that Meshra Kibalmerim Sinai, Mesal Yeshua, Yeshua the Kanim. The Zikne Adar are the bearers of the torch of Meshra Beinu Arayim. And there's no denying that. You can only deny it if you're not in the base Madrash. If you're not in the base medrash and you're in a basement anonymously putting off your wisdom on blogs and on comments on websites, belittling it, taking swipes at it, saying your day is kaisos about it, you're not in the base medrash. You're not in Adam Biyakar. You don't understand it. You're not in the base medrash. How could you understand what went on there? But if you're somebody that's shaku on a base medrash, like Rabbi Akiva pulled her paraffin in and explained to him how I spent four million dollars not on real estate, but on spiritual property. And there, Taraffin was able to not only understand that, but embrace it. Only in a base medrash, only if you're a ben only if you're in a sviva, that's kshera, could you be guaranteed that the message of Shavuah stays with you until Rosh And so what we're saying is basically two, two things. First of all, try to stay in yeshiva as long as possible until the last second of this month, until June 20th and beyond in the summer if you want to stay for the camp. That's amazing. Stay in yeshiva as long as possible. Don't run away even after the last college course has been given, even after graduation. Stay. Where are you running? What are you doing? You think it's better out there? You think going out into the into the world when you don't need to is a good idea? If you have to for whatever reason, you need a job and you you need you need to take school. Take it in the best open. Do it in a place like we offer here, a place that's Kulan Chinasal Paris Lakadesh, that you have only boys and with certain professors giving over the courses. If you go out to the to the colleges in the summer that are co-ed and that are mixed, these city-state colleges, and you think that that's a good idea, I beg you to rethink that idea. Yes, it's cheaper. Yes, it's close to home. But you're going to be in the street, and you're not going to be able to maintain the amunas hacham that you need to get through life. And even if you are going home, 
even if you have the best reason in the world to go home, or those of you that are graduating and that you're not going to be anymore in base Medish with Hamlin, you're going wherever you're going. Always tether yourself to a base Medish. The first thing that you have to be kaveya before you decide on where to move, where to live, what to do with your life, is find out the first thing on the agenda before the cost of living, before the the different, you know, business opportunities, before the prices of apartments and housing. Is there a base fetish there? Is there a makam tire there? Is there a place that I could be taken by the hand and be able to be insulated by the ruach of tire or not? That's the only way that we'll be able to make it through the summer and make it through life. Is by taking these yisaitis that we're speaking about, which is so essential to Chagashvuas, and carrying that through weiter. Taking that in the hand, Basienu Hashem Lekeinu Esbirchas Mayadecha Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We ask in Shmoneh Esri and Yontif, load us up like a donkey. Load us up with the brachas of the Mayadim. What does that mean? It means we have to be able to take the assignments of the Yontif until the following Yontif. From Shavuos until Rosh Hashanah, we need to carry with us the message of Shavuos through every single day of the summer, wherever we may be. The Yisaitis of Amun the Yisaitis of being in a Makam Taira, and being able to run in to a place like this, to run away from the world outside. And yes, we have to embrace, embrace the world at large. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that we have to be hermit-like. We have to make a parnasa, and we have to be Makadishim Shemayim, Barabim, when we do go out to the Shuk. But we have to know that the main place for us is not in the Shuk, and the main place for our minds is not in the Shuk. But it's in a yeshiva, it's in a base medrash, with a Rebbe, and with the chevra that's appropriate for us, don't go home and lose everything that you've accomplished this year. So many times, boys come back in Elul, or they don't come back altogether in Elul. And when we ask why, it's very simple. Something happened in the summer. I fell into the wrong chevra. I was home, and I sort of just started watching TV and cable. I took some courses in college, and I, some professor changed my hashkafas achayim. Things happen in the summer. Two and a half months is a world. It's a universe of time. You don't know what could happen to you, or maybe you do know what could happen to you. Please be careful. Please make extra careful precautions not to be found in places that we shouldn't. Not to be found not only in terms of pizzas, of course, but also, more importantly sometimes, in terms of the dais, in terms of the ashkafas that we get, in terms of the ruach and the chevra. We have to be so careful because our brain is so easily molded in certain ways. Both Latayim and Larab. In yeshiva we mold the mind with amunas chachamim, with ashkafas hatayra, with a chachmei hadayres. And that's a good way of molding your mind. But sometimes we take a few steps out of the base medrash, and our minds be- begin to be molded in completely different ways, and we don't even recognize ourselves anymore in the mirror at the end of the summer. So let's have a wonderful Shabbos.
Let's be Zaycha to Makabal the Torah Ba'ava, not just the Torah Shabbat, but the Torah Shabbat, the Amunas Chachomim that come with the Torah Shabbat, the Pirkei Avis that we've learned through the past seven weeks, instilling in us this Messiah Chachomim and the Amunas Chachomim. Let's understand how much we gain from the Asifa being able to see such a beautiful turnout of Gedalim and Klal Yisrael together coming because of the call of Gedalim Yisrael. And let's take these Yisaitis throughout the rest of the summer to maintain our dignity, maintain our ability to look in the mirror and see an Adam Bikar, be able to be completely transformed by the Ashkafas HaChayim that we were given in Yeshiva throughout the year, by our Rabbeim, and be able to have a wonderful summer, a summer that's full of good times. It's important to have good times in the summer. It's important to play ball, spend time with your family, but you have to make sistarim, get a chavrusa, go to shiurim, give shiurim, Make your diras kva in a base medrash in a makum taira. Be makadeshim shemayim when you daven in the shuls. Listen to the rav. Give proper respect to the rabbanim. Give proper respect to your parents. Tell them a couple of times throughout the summer, thank you for giving me the opportunity to learn taira and base medrash the Talmud. I know it wasn't cheap, and I know it wasn't easy, and you have to sacrifice for that, but I appreciate it. And I love you for it. Make it an amazing summer. Make it not a stama ben azmanim, but as the Israelis used to say, ben azmanim is also azman. It's just a different type of azman, but it's also azman. It's a time of steiging. It's a time of good times, a little bit easier times, a little bit less pressure. But the simcha that we could have during ben azmanim makes the Torah going better. And if we're in a good chevra, with good guys in the Paprash Kafis, we don't know how much we could gain in the next few months and come back to Shredish El and say, wow, that was one for the books. And I'm ready now to go into a Shredish El with fire and with Isairus and with the proper ability to do tshuva, shlema, because my mind is in the right place, my heart is in the right place. Let's be Zaycha to all the prophets on Murus Batayra and to be Zaycha once again to Makabo Batayra the Amun.